Oh my stars, I am so thrilled you're here. My name is Kai Graham and welcome to another episode in my podcast, The Parent and Teen Toolbox, which is designed to equip parents and teenagers with the tools for navigating adolescence. I've been in the trenches of parenting and now I'm on a mission to help parents support their teenagers so that together we can build a mentally healthier and happier generation of young people. Each week you will receive learnings and takeaways that will help you tackle the challenges and the oh shit moments that are often associated with parenting tweens and teens. I have your back and I'm glad you're here. Hello, you wonderful lot. I am so excited about this. Maybe excited is the wrong word, but I'm wanting to speak to Dr. Anessa Ribert today, who, um, well, I'm going to introduce her in a minute, but it's this this is um this episode is very timely because on I think it was Friday, the 10th of September is World Suicide Awareness or World Suicide Prevention Day. So um it's quite timely that we're talking about this at the minute. Anyway, Dr. Anessa is a registered mental health nurse and a senior lecturer at Northumbria University. And as she was just admitting, she's trying to get keyed back into the education mode because we know what it's like. We've done the back to school. We're back to uni. And um, a lot of us are sort of, you know, well, I was going to say dragging our knuckles through through, through um, having to sort of get back on form again. But you know what I mean? Anyway, Anessa has enjoyed 29 years working in the NHS and higher education. Her subject specialities and interests include suicide and loss, spirituality and compassionate care. Now, Anessa's doctoral research, which is meeting spaces, crafting conversations about suicide in nurse education, explored what was needed to have meaningful conversations about suicide. Anessa is a former trustee and advocate of Papyrus, which is a charity very close to my heart, which is aimed to bring down the um, youth suicide rate um, in, in the UK. And she's a trustee for Teen Yoga UK and Rococo Uni- Newcastle. She is currently involved in national and regional research about suicide with veterans and the ambulance service. So, so well qualified to talk on this subject. Anessa, I'm so, so glad you're here and welcome. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, first of all, Kai, for inviting me to talk to you. So it's a, it's a real pleasure to be here um, talking about a really difficult subject, really. So um, I think the, the more we can talk about it, the better. So thank you for inviting me. No, you're very welcome. And as I said at the, the sort of top of the episode, it's really timely. Um, and I, it's it's just it's a subject that is very close to my heart. It is sort of um, one of my missions to help parents support their children so that together we can build a mentally healthier and happier generation of young people. And when we're talking about mental health, um, a lot of people sort of put their proverbial fingers in their ears, go, la, 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 suicide, suicide. We don't even want to talk about that. That's just too scary a subject. And yet I think it's absolutely vital that we open the conversations in places like this and, and in the work that you're doing, but also for parents to talk more openly with their kids about sort of such topics as suicide. 
Absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, really. We, we, the, the focus is on well-being, isn't it? And just having happy young people. Um, and that's what we want to be promoting all of the time. Um, but within that, we know we know that suicide happens. I mean, just to contextualise it a, a, a little bit, um, you know, worldwide, there's something like 800,000 deaths. That's what they, they, they project a year worldwide. Um, through the World Health Organization, and they're just saying that this is actually only a tip of the iceberg, um, really, because a lot of countries don't actually collect data or the collection of the data is very poor. So although that is a ballpark figure that they're working off, they think it's much more than that. And even when you break that down worldwide, it actually um, is a really scary kind of um, figure of one person dying around every 40 seconds to suicide. Yeah, I know. And if you think about you know, the period of time we're going to be talking and how, you know, even just through the introduction, how, how many people have actually died while, we're, while we've just been speaking for a few minutes. It's really, really scary. Um, you know, we, obviously that, that, that's worldwide, but we do have um, people dying, as you know, of, of suicide in the UK. Um, and we do know that um, young men tend to be more successful at dying by suicide um, than, than young women. So there's usually three men die um, to every one woman who dies, um, or, or, or young person, female, um, if we're going to be gender specific about it, you know, I, can't, I haven't got any other statistics about yeah. um, anything else. But um, yeah, so that 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 in itself is is obviously incredibly worrying. Um, so we, you know, we, we know that there's lots of uh, campaigns out there. There's lots a huge movement about it's okay not to be okay. Um, you know, promoting about talking about mental health and about suicide. Um, but there's still a stigma around it. There is still a stigma. You said people stick their fingers in the ears and go, oh, no, not suicide, not here. Um, and I think sometimes, unless you've been touched by suicide, you can often think that maybe, you know, that won't happen here. That's something that happens somewhere else to other people. Um, but, you know, tragically, suicide does not discriminate. You know, it, we see um, people from all walks of life. Um who 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 will who will take their life really? I know it tends to be people around the kind of lower income families. If we're going to look at it statistically, however, you know that it, it's not discriminatory. You know, just think about it generally as um, something that could that could be a possibility. So, what what do parents do? Because um, I, I've I've sort of had so many parents contact me, and they're sort of saying, well. I think it's anxiety. I think it's depression. I'm terrified they're, in air quotes, going to do something stupid. They don't even say take their own life. It's just, it's, it's just too painful to comprehend. So how can parents react to even that little niggle? And I know, and, and I know so many sort of, you know, have that little niggle and yet they don't want to sort of start picking at the scabs because. Otherwise, the unthinkable, you know, sort of starts becoming a reality. But we can't we can't put our head in the sand, can we? Absolutely not. And I think it is. It's the proverbial kind of worms, isn't it? Nobody really wants to open. But, you know, it's it's absolutely it's so important that we ask about suicide. Our parents ask the question and approach the conversation with just kindness and compassion um, and it's hard. It's hard not to say, well, you're not going to do anything silly, are you? Um, because that's a way of, of brushing away um, or trying to find alternative ways of dealing with the word suicide and asking about it. 
Um, and, you know, we're all guilty of that, I'm sure, at some point, you know, trying to find our own way about it. So, you know, a lot of this, the suicide prevention talks about asking, I'm going to go through that in a minute, about the mnemonic of asking about it. But it, it, I always say through my knowledge and through my research, it's incredibly important um, that the starting point is with ourselves. So we absolutely need to have a conversation with ourselves first. And, and I'm, I'm saying this for a reason, because we need to be very clear and we need to be very honest that um, what our feelings and reactions are towards suicide. So we need to get that out in the open. We need to talk to ourselves about it. We need to explore what we think and feel about it. We need to acknowledge if it frightens the living daylights out of us. Um, and we need to find some kind of way thinking about it and relating to it first before we go in and have a conversation because inevitably what we believe and what we think or feel um, has a really good chance of influencing that conversation. Okay. Yeah. So if you're scared about it, you know, you, 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 the tendency is you might, you're going to rush in with the anxiety yeah. and, you know, you, you're not going to be kind of methodically kind of breathing through and thinking and relating to, um, you know, your, 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 your child, your son or daughter, or, you know, or, or, or whatever. So please start with yourself first. Um, thinking about it, think how you want to approach it. Um, you might want to talk to a trusted other person about how you might, how they might talk about it, you know, um, perhaps what your anxieties are around it. And just be clear before you start. I think that's a good starting point. That's that's a massive starting point because it's um it, it's as you sort of say, otherwise we sound like we're we're really parenting from fear, aren't we? And and that fear then actually throws the responsibility onto the child, the young person. Um, you know, I, I, and I am using it in the context or context of parent and child. Um, if anyone that is listening to this, um, ha, you know, maybe has a partner, you know, all of this is relevant, but I will be using um, this sort of in the context of the parent and the child. Um, so it is, and I think that's the thing, because I've heard sort of, you know, some parents sort of say, oh, well, it, it really upsets me when I think about it. And we need to exercise that ghost, don't we, Nessa? Oh, absolutely. Of course, it's going to upset you. Of course, it's going to be terrifying. And you absolutely love this person, this this, this child, this young, um, you know, man or woman, or, or you know, the, of course, you're going to be terrified. You, you know, the instinct would be to protect um, and, and everything that goes with that, we're very um, animalistic, but we need to, in that sense of protection and nurturing, um, and that, you know, absolutely, there will be fear there, but also within that relationship, um, there, there, there is love, isn't there? So it's kind of, it's easier said than done, but there's something here about entering into that conversation from a position of love, yeah? It's about love in the compassion that you feel um, within that relationship. That, that that you're trying to get to to engage with that that conversation first and foremost the fear is going to be there underlying it is but if you can somehow shift to this is about love and I'm going to um, enter this conversation with with love and curiosity um, and open up a conversation being keyword it's a conversation yeah um, and I'm not going to get into the, you know, the, the parent-child triangle, you know, the, yeah. <laughs> you know, where you get into the whole, like, and I'm your parent, you will. It's not about that. It's very much about opening up the conversation and exploring um, and talking about it, talking about 
what's happening for that individual. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think that's that's the I I, I think it's absolutely huge and, and, and vital that we sort of work through our own baggage, our own feelings, our own sort of, you know, emotions, because once we've done that, we are becoming, you know, we come probably to the conversation a lot more rationally, a lot more calmly, and probably having answered a few of the questions ourselves that we we need sort of answered. But okay, we've done that. Yeah. What the heck do we say? It's... If you read the books and if you read all the pamphlets, you know, the first thing is say, don't say commit suicide because it's, you know, so there's even a different language nowadays, isn't there? So, so can you, can you lead us through that, Anessa? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And just, yeah, that's a really important point that you've, that you've raised there, Kai, in the the community now and in the charitable communities and the suicide prevention communities, where we're moving away or we've moved away now from this, um, the, the narrative committing suicide, purely because it is connected to a crime, you know, and, and suicide was a crime until the early 1960s. So we're trying to get away from that because we feel that that kind of influences this idea of stigma and doing something wrong. Um, so it's very much about, um, about um, wanting to die by suicide or the person died by suicide. That, that, that's what we say, I took their, right, took their life. Um, it's very it's very important that we are um, we we are, are, are not being ambiguous when we're talking to people. So yeah. we are actually using the word suicide. Um, you know, you know, it's really important to to understand that people generally do want to talk about suicide. So you know, it's it's kind of almost like suicide is is an excuse me pun here a, um, a secret that's dying to be told. Um, you know, somebody's holding onto the secret. It's a deep, dark secret. Um, it's something that the person is generally very scared of themselves that they feel like this, um, that they've arrived in this place. It might be an incredibly new place that they've arrived to with these feelings. And these feelings can be incredibly powerful, and very overwhelming. And it's the mind, the mind is such, such a powerful thing. And it catches onto this idea of suicide yeah. as being. Um, perhaps the only way out of this particular situation. Now, you know, we, we do, you've probably heard it as well about suicide being, um, you know, a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Yes. And it's trying to help and engage um, younger people to, um, to understand that. Yeah. So asking about suicide, asking directly, you know, how are you feeling right now? You know, I've noticed that. Okay. Yeah. And whatever it is that you've noticed. <clears throat> there could be anything. It could be anything that you've noticed. Something really subtle. It could be that there's been some throwaway comments, like you know, well, people wouldn't really care if I wasn't here anymore. You know, for instance, like yeah, I've noticed that you've said that. What, what's that about? You know, is that is that something that really is something that you're thinking about? Do you want to die? Do you want to, do you want to take your own life? Yeah, you know, it's it be that direct about it. Now that can be really, really hard to do, but it's really important that you know that ambiguity is gone and everybody knows what they're yeah. talking about. And often it is a huge relief to people when um when they are approached like that in a caring way and the conversation is open for them. Is this something that you are thinking about? You know, you've got there's so much going on for you right now. Um, 
you know, often when people are in um, similar situations, they, they, they want to take their life, they want to die. Is this how you're feeling? You know, so conversation starters, um, you know, like that are really helpful. You said at the beginning that I was a real advocate and um, extra stay for papyrus. Um, I, I, fantastic. So anybody listening, um, if you're thinking to yourself right now, how on earth do I open that conversation? give you a couple of examples but if you go to um papyrus website there is a fantastic leaflet on there with conversation starters yeah. on it for you There's lots of examples yeah. um about how, how do you start a conversation lovely leading conversations you have questions so that's what you would do just be as open as that now people might be a little bit shocked thinking you know wow how do they know that or you know how that oh my god I'm having to be I'm faced now with, with talking about this but equally it can be a relief um, people know that once you've opened that up and you've asked about it then they know that they're not going to scare you yeah because you've got this and you've opened it and that is so important because often people um you know they try to protect the people that they love so family are often the last people to find out about these things or to find out about the fact that somebody is feeling suicidal because or generally they are trying to protect the people that they love yeah. because the suicidal mind is telling them that um, the family or friends would be better off without them anyway. Um, so this, because this links to the, any sense of um, unworthiness or, or whatever else is going on for that individual. So they will, you know, they will generally try to protect the people that they love and will not offer that because they don't want to scare them. They don't want to upset the person. They might feel guilty. They might feel like they're letting, the, letting them down. They might feel um, that they are in you know, the stigma surrounding it in society, but that they might be weak, um, you know, incredibly frightened. They might be worried that they're going to go to hospital, um, that there's going to be, you know, all sorts of impact upon the rest of their life if they suddenly, you know, talk about this. So, um, yeah, so just that's something to bear in mind as well when you are opening this conversation that, you know, if the person says yes, you know, <laughs> you go on from there. It's not to be disappointed about the fact that they haven't come to you. It's generally because they've been probably trying to protect you before, you know, before they've they've entered into the conversation. And I and I think this is the important thing is that sometimes, and and I'm saying this with love, but the parental ego comes in, doesn't it? And it's a sort of I'm meant to be the one that my child can rely on. And I'm meant to be the one that my child can turn to. But if we are coming into this conversation with a child-centered approach and, as you said, with love, then really what we're looking for is an outcome that is best for our child, isn't it? So they might not feel comfortable about opening up to mum or dad, but maybe a grandparent could be that person or maybe, you know, sort of a, a trusted friend or an, I was going to say an elder sibling. That's a bit we don't really want to start putting the, the responsibility on sort of those too young, do we, to sort of, to sort of help out. But it's just allowing your child, I guess, to choose the person that they feel they need the support from would that be fair um yeah I think once you've engaged in the conversation you see you know is it is there any you know do you feel like you can talk to, to me about it can we can we explore this together right you know yeah. it'd be a really a really nice way to go 
because there's something about that opportunity right there and then being key and important <laughs> yeah. yeah so once you've opened up the conversation I think it's something's quite difficult and can be hard to close it back down to then move it on to another person to start that conversation right, got you. yeah so I think when you're there and you've, if you've opened up that conversation the person's saying you know, they might say well what do you mean you can just start exploring it obviously going, well yeah I mean may cry and feel so relieved that you've you've asked that question um then 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 I would say use the opportunity if they've if they've said yes and and they are starting to gauge and they're connected with you just nurture that connection nurture the connection and be with it because you know again speaking to um a, a lot of people through through my time as a nurse but also through the research that I've done People say that it's the um, it's that connection, it's that moment in time that's pivotal. The moment in time where the conversation started, they feel the love. Now that might be from a parent or, or whoever else, but you know, strangers can emit that connectivity and love just by honouring the other individual as a as a human, you know, yes. and like a human that they care about. Um, and that that is the that is the time to roll with that conversation. So. I wouldn't be tempted at all to close that down to start it somewhere it's else. Just to keep keep that ball rolling. Because you see, sometimes, I mean, in my role, I've sort of been in a situation, you know, situations where I ask the question. And it's sort of, it, 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 it goes one of two ways. You know, if I sort of say, you know, have you sort of contemplated? And and the, the response can be, God, no. And you're like, oh, right, okay, we're going to go down a different path in this conversation then. Or if mm-hmm. there's the tentative, well, yeah, then that in itself is quite a monumental moment, isn't it? So I and I think the thing is, is rather than pounce and sort of, you know, well, I knew there was something wrong, but I didn't know it was that bad. I think the thing is, is to give the young person the space, isn't it, to just maybe just sit with the very fact that they have opened up maybe for the first time. Absolutely. It's a huge, it's a massive thing. You know, I said before about it being a secret, you know, a yeah. secret that's dying at the door. People, you know, sometimes these feelings are so powerful that people think they are emitting these feelings and that, that it's tangible, that people can tangibly feel that, you know, or, or sense the thoughts around this because it's so overwhelming and so powerful. Um, so it's the that's how can something be experienced. So absolutely, it is, um, you know, just, just sitting with it and rolling with it is really important. And it might be, you know, that just for some time within that, there's just some silence, just holding that space if the person's upset and they're releasing that emotion because they've admitted that that's how they feel um, and they're crying and getting upset about it. It's just being with, being with that and letting, it, letting that emotion be. And holding that space, and how incredibly hard is that going to be as a parent? Yes, you know, I'm. I am not a parent. I, I need to make that very clear about my position. But um, I have had many, many conversations. So there is something really powerful about holding the space, and you know, allowing the person just to be in that moment, and 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 to find their way. With suddenly, this has come out into the open. Yeah. Yeah. So we're just kind of breathing, you know, I'm just breathing that and kind of holding it and saying, okay, okay then. Let's like, hey, let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Yeah. And exploring that. So the pneumonic we usually use is talk. So we know that we want to talk. We've asked, yeah, we've asked about suicide. L, listen, that's the next bit. We need to listen. So listen to what the person's saying and just saying, you know, okay, tell me about it. 
what's going on for you right now that's brought you to this point? What's happened? Yeah. You know, is there is a one thing or there are many things you just just listen to what the person's saying and elicit what the story is, what's happening. Now we don't know what, again what's going to come out of that. Yeah, that in itself can be a whole can of worms. But it's you know it's that moment it you know that that, that you've both entered into at this point. Um, of kind of saying, right, I'm here for you. Here's the space. I care. I love you. Um, I want to listen. I'm not going to impart. Well, you should be doing this. You should be doing that. Don't be silly. None of the judgments. Just holding space and saying, okay, you know, tell me, I'm listening, I'm here for you, and exploring that. Because I think parents are very good at trying to problem solve, aren't they? Um, I think generally humans are. I think, yes. You know, and it yeah. is, it, it's yeah. sort of very much my, you know, my child is struggling, therefore I will fix it. They've fallen over in the play, playground, I will fix it. They won't eat their broccoli, I will fix it. You know, it's always, you know, they're having trouble with their friends, I will fix it. And I think we have to honour, if that's the right word, the fact that we have this young human in front of us that is struggling and it doesn't necessarily have to be our responsibility to fix it does it absolutely absolutely you're right because sometimes you can't always fix it yeah and this is where we need to kind of think about what you know what each individual is um what the story is and perhaps who is around and who can help to fix it um you know and it a lot of times we know that um, you know younger people get so overwhelmed with um, with school, with anxiety around exams. There's um, you know the the pressure around um, you know kind of social media, everything that's you know that that's kind of piled up upon them. It could be that there's elements of that. It could be bullying. Um, you know, and again, Papyrus did a huge campaign around bullying, and that that's on online for for parents to look at as well, which is really helpful. Um, so yeah, we we need to obviously listen what the story is and listen, so then we can work with the person and ask the person, you know, themselves, what what do you think should happen next? Yeah, you know, we have listened to the story, you know, again, being kind, being about compassion, it's been about curiosity, about curiosity, um, and and getting as much as the detail and the story as we can, um, and just you know something that's really powerful, you know, that people say is is um sat with them that they've remembered when they've been in this um this this place of sharing is that the other person said I you know I, we can do this together I'm here for you you know we can get through this together I'll walk say, I'll walk with you you know I'll, I'll walk with you we we can do this together and and people find that really um really supportive because often when people are in that state of mind they feel incredibly lonely Yes. So they feel very, very lonely and they feel that they are perhaps, you know, the only one who, who feels like this. It's incredibly profound. So saying, I'm here for you, we can do this. But saying, what do you think should happen next? You know, what, how, how do you think we can work through this together? Because the person will have some ideas, 
The last thing we want to be doing is saying, right, okay, I've heard enough. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. And I <laughs> think that's it. It is. It's the railroading, isn't it? And it's the, well, yeah. you know, I've been around the block. I know what I'm doing and we're going to get this sorted for you. And I think I think the thing is, is that probably a lot of the pressures that young people are under are that feeling of loss of control or, you know, not being able to cope with things. So if we just take this away from them as well and try and railroad them, it's just sort of exacerbating the same problem, isn't it? Well, well, yeah, yeah. The, you know, the young people in your minds, I mean, they're, they're incredible, aren't they? I mean, <laughs> young people are usually incredibly resilient and they'll have such clear ideas about what, you know, what will work for them. You know, they know themselves pretty well. They're developing the, you know, they're kind of, they're working all of that out, aren't they? And, and this is part of that period of working that out, you know, and just in, in, in being with them and helping them with that, you know, helping them work it out. Um, but really taking on board what they're saying in relation to what do you think should happen next then in order to solve this problem, you know, you know, is it exploring questions around, you know, is it that you 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 absolutely don't want to be here and you want to die, or is it that you want to get through this pain? Yeah? How can we stop this? You know, how how can we get through it? What do you think should happen next? What is the first thing that we can do to keep you safe? Or that, you know, I'm with you now, but what can we do to keep you safe, you know, for the next few hours how we're going to keep you safe now we know that, that you feel like this until tomorrow how you know what do we need to do um you know from that you, you'll be able to understand with the person what needs to happen next obviously if it's an an emergency it we're getting into different realms um but kind of having a really good idea about what's going on for the person um what they think should happen next because then they might be giving you clues about whether um, it's some, it's bullying. It's something around school. Whether you need to go and talk to somebody at school. I mean, now often we've got um, well-being um, contacts yeah. or leads within schools as well who are fantastic um, about what you know connecting with them and what it might be. Um, it might be that there's a conversation to be had there with the GP as well, um, and you saying you know I'll come with you, um, you know, and support you with that. Um, or, you know, is there somebody else in the family that, that you'd rather did that? Or, you know, can we, can we ask them to come along too? Or, you know, just giving them those options. Because like you said before, they might be incredibly close to granddad or grandma. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and feel like they, they have a, 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 something different there that, that might be useful. Um, so, yeah, inviting the young person to have some kind of control around that because these feelings are very much about um, can feel very much about the person feeling out of control of the feelings. So the only thing that we can control is this idea about um, ending the pain. Yes, that's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. But we, we've, we've talked, we've asked, we've listened. What do parents do next now that this conversation is, has been had, now that the knowledge is there? How do we not screw it up? Because do you, do you know what I mean? Because sort of, it, it's a bit like it, it, it's. It, I can imagine, you know. So my, my my son has struggled, and when I sort of had this conversation with him, it was you know, well, I'm all right at the minute, but I've had some really dark days, and I had to really hold myself back 
from treading on eggshells, peering at him the whole time, suffocating him and going, are you all right today? You know, is it a good day or a bad day? And it's like, so could you just leave me alone? Because to the point that we don't want our kids and those those who who are are feeling um you know in in this space we don't want them to regret telling the parents because suddenly it's turned into this big thing does that make sense anessa well it makes sense i was going to ask you street but look what how, what happened in the in the end with, with that how did you get through that period of i i had to back off really fast and um, I sort of turned to humor. I turned to everyday things. I tried to make life as normal as possible um, without sort of doing the, the you know, the, the sort of over-parenting. Um, it's tricky because, you know, it's, it's at the time my son was sort of living with us um, and he's gone back to London and, you know, it was quite interesting because this conversation that we had resulted in him doing a podcast with me all about mental health, which was fab. Um, so it's not his, you know, it's a story that I'm allowed to tell. Um, but, and I was going to ask this, you know, sort of um, from your advice as well, because we've, we've as parents, we've, we, we could be in one of two camps. Either our child is living at home and we're terrified of breathing down their neck and sort of suffocating them. And well, excuse that, that, that's probably the wrong phrase, but you know what I mean, of overmothering or parenting them. Um, but also the, there are many, when we look at the sort of statistics, there are many children, students, and, and your situation particularly, you know, you're, you're in Northumbria University, young people who are living away from home and the parents feel powerless because they're not able to monitor or watch how their kids are doing. So it's it's a tightrope that parents are walking, isn't it? it? It is. You know, it is. And do you know what's always going to ride over all of this? And absolutely is intuition. So it might be that it does get to a point. I mean, if we're kind of, um, I'm jumping to the, to the other side of it now, but if it does get to a point where, you know, you just think, right, I've done all of that. I've done, we've done the talking, you know, we've got to keep them safe. We've got, we've got the GPs or, you know, the person's told me how, how they want me to be. And I've said how, you know, it might be, how do you want me to be around you? How, yes. how do you want me to be with this? Totally. Tell me what you want me to do. And that's like, maybe hard for parents to do, <laughs> just say, you tell me. And so, because yeah. it's usually the way around. No, so you tell me what you would like me to do and how you would like me to handle this. And, you know, um, how... How, how do you want me to be part of this journey with you of getting to where you need to be to get to feel better? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they, they will tell you, well, you know, mom, I just want you to, um, you know, well, can we just have um, a point? Maybe, I don't know, I'm making it off the top of my head where it's once a day we check in or once a week or can we just have fun? I yeah. missed you because you work a lot. You know, I missed you. Can we have some fun this week? Because I really want to. I, mean, I want to connect with you. Whatever it is, he'll tell you. So you, 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 you've got all of that. You've had the conversation. Tell me what you want me to do. What should we do next? Um, you know, I, I and being honest, saying, right, I, I am going to do that. But just so you know, because I love you and care about you, I might get it wrong sometimes. That's it. I might get it? it wrong, and I might say, Yeah, are you alright? Or maybe checking in a little bit too much. But you know what? Please tell me if yeah. I'm doing that. So please put your hands up. See, I might be doing it wrong. But this comes ultimately from a place of love. Yeah. Um, 
And I, I want you to find your, your way with this. And I'm here to support you. I'm not going to take over. I'm going to be here. And this is what we're going to do. So you've got a plan, whatever that may be, whether that be GPs, whether in, involvement, other people, friends can all be part of, you know, um, a, a safety plan, so to speak. That's what we call them now. And again, on the Papyrus website, there's yes. a wonderful um, there's a wonderful template for safety planning. And it might be some people are very, um, you know, are, are very cognitive, very black and white. They want things written down. You know, like it could be that there's a very much a plan there that you write together, um, which stipulates, "Mom, this is your part of it. <laughs> this is mine. This is our agreement." Um, really helpful. If people are away from home. Um, Equally, you could ha- equally have that plan. It's just they're not there living in, in the same environment, but there could still be a plan there. There could be exploration about what's available at the university. Universities generally do have a fantastic um, well-being team with all sorts of, uh, there are many, many um, kind of arms that come off from that, really. So be that finance, be that um, emotional support, be it psychological support through um, counselling services. Students can access, um, you, you know, online services themselves from their own room, you know, for counselling and, and don't necessarily need to go um, face-to-face. Um, there's all sorts of peer-led projects that students are running for students. Um, you know, people have got personal tutors that they can go to speak to. There's a plethora. So that might be part of what that, that safety plan may be. But it might also get up on Kai, you know, parent, parental intuition or, you know, you know, might just be, this is not right, I'm not happy. You know, there's something, if it's not going to plan, you know, and you, you, you're trying to engage and um, your son or daughter's not engaging, um, you know, and you just get a feeling and a sense that it's not right and it's getting worse. And you do what you need to do as a parent. You know, if you, you think, and sometimes that might be stepping in and saying, do you know what, you're coming home. <laughs> yes, you're coming yes. home because... For, the, for just for a week or two weeks until, you know, you know, because there's something not right here. And that, you know, you, you, there's something there about going with the instinct, isn't oh, there? I, I'm so glad you said that because, I mean, this is speaking from experience and it was just, it was before lockdown. And um, I, I had a Zoom call with my son and I just took one look at him and I thought I, I just could tell there was something wrong. And so I jumped on a plane. And um, I think I made some sort of lame excuse to sort of saying, oh, I have to work, so I'll be in London. Um, and I, I sort of took him out to lunch when I got there. And it was just, I was, we were just chatting away. And I said, you've got 48 hours to hand in your notice. Um, because I knew that, you know, that, that and, and that the, there were things that he was struggling with. There were the things that were wrong. And to me, the solution was for him not to do the job that he was doing. And it it gave him permission. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it was yeah. it was yeah. But I've got to do this because I've done my student bit, and I've and and this is the way society looks at us, and we have to follow this path. And I went, no, you can, you don't have to do any of that because, as any per- parent knows, and I say this a lot, you are only as happy as your saddest child, and when your child is hurting, it is. It is imperative, actually, just to sometimes just I, I did. I just waded in with, with love, as you said, but it's giving them the opportunity to actually 
I guess sometimes just put a stop on things and go, right, okay, something's got to change here because it ain't working the way it's going. Exactly. Yeah, and that word permission is so important. I, I recall a number of conversations I've had with students um, over the years about who have been struggling with their own mental health and who invariably are attracted to mental health nursing. I think sometimes it's a matter of physician heal thyself. And, yeah. um, and they struggle. You know, you you give a lot of yourself when you nurse, yeah. right? Generally, it's part of it. It's part of the, the energetic and the emotional um, exchange. And it can be very difficult and very harrowing for people to hear stories or to be with that. Um, and I've seen students struggling. And there's been times where I've sat and I've said, why are you doing this to yourself? Why are you doing it? You are really putting yourself through the mill time and time again. And Why? You don't have to, you know. You do not have to do this. I know you want to, but you don't have to. And now you've experienced it for a while. Where are you? And they'll look at you and they'll go, I don't have to, do I? I don't have to. You know, your job is to be as happy as you possibly can be, you know, and live a good, you know, live a, live a happy life or a content life, you know, yeah. is, is this making you happy? No, well, then don't do it. All right. Yes. Yeah, don't have to, and off you go. Well, you how know, liberating, how yeah. liberating is that, Anessa, to, 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 to give our kids the opportunity to just make healthier and better choices? Absolutely, absolutely. And supporting them with that and just saying, because they get, it's almost again, it's like the failure thing, isn't it? Do you know, like, if I don't do this, I fail. Um, you know, what are people going to think of me? And, you know, they, they can be some of the thoughts that are related to suicide, you know, or I don't really want to do this, but people think I've failed, I've set myself up to fail, I am a failure, you yeah. know, all those things that are related to it, that chain around, um, you know, because people have obviously and, and initially been. Um, you know, celebrating in, in that person's success and the happiness of getting onto a course or, or whatever it might be. Um, that's it. So, so the, the, there's lots that's tied into that. So I'm letting them down and I'll maybe, I don't want to be at university. There was one lad I spoke to who was like, don't even want to be here. I don't want to be at university. I said, well, don't be at university then. It's good. Cool. Like, university is always going to be here. It's fine. Go and do something else. <laughs> be happy. You'll yeah. come back to it if you need to. And it was just like, the realisation I am adult, I can make a, a different choice, but always felt that they had to continue down a particular trajectory because dad wanted them to. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of, I was like, dad's got to love you anyway. Even if you make a different choice, it yeah. doesn't stop you from being loved or change you as an individual. You know, you can be equally successful doing something else. How do we measure success? And, you know, I guess over the years, success for me or measure of, of it is, how content you are. It changes <laughs> it's a measure of success. Quite right. Yeah. That's but you know, so and there's another thing that I think that I also um sort of touch on because I've I've had a bit of experience in this. And it's it's once those conversations have been had and once you are putting a plan or a safety plan or or, or a sort of they like to say the word strategy, but you know what I mean, a way of working in place. It is so vital for parents to look after themselves, isn't it? Because oh, this mm. is harrowing sometimes. This is really, and, and we tend to live then, you know, live on the nervous energy and we need to be able to put the brakes on ourselves and to look after ourselves so that we can support our kids better. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So there's so much going on, isn't there? I mean, obviously the 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 stress and the anxiety about worrying about about your child and about what you've heard, um, and whatever you're going through in order to support that that person. Um, you know, it it, it could be very um easy, obviously, to portray that anxiety. You know, you're, you're feeling it, it's visceral and, and that can emanate out through you, you know, through through how you are, how you talk, how you breathe, you know, how fast you you're communicating oh, the, the look, the, all of that, all of that, and of course you are because you because it comes from a position of love and fear. They're generally interconnected, aren't they? Love and fear, <laughs> the loss. You love somebody, you don't want to lose them. You fear it. So the interconnectedness of that. Um, but there is absolutely something vital about looking after yourself because it's age old thing. You know, unless we look after ourselves, then we're generally not in a good position to look after other people. So first and foremost, yeah, and and. You know, I see first and foremost, that's not going to be true from a parental point of view, is it? Because it's protection and, and the, the reaction wanting to, to, to nurture your children first. But, you know, it was part of that. It's part of putting, yeah, it's kind of, you're on equal footing here. Um, yes, look after yourself and find out, you know, what works for you. You know what works for you in relation to what's tried and tested about what helps you relax. So, yep. you know, whether that's finding just somebody you can talk to and share a space, a trusted person um, that you just that you can share it with so you're not alone. There's a plethora of help and support online for parents as yes. well. Yes. Um, there's, there's, there's Hopeline UK that people can talk. You, you know, you can ask advice from um, trained um, people on the other end of a phone about what, what to do. Are you worried? And they can be there to support you. So please reach out um, to, to many of those platforms that are online they're there for a reason um and they've often been set up by um parents who've been in similar situations or parents who've lost um people to suicide so please do um, reach out these people know more than anybody else what it's like to be where you might be or where you could be haven't had that conversation um you know time that you can get if you're lucky enough to be able to to grab an hour at some point, just to get yourself away to um, a class, whether that be the gym, whether that be a yoga class, yeah. whether that be in your own home. There's a, there's a small area of your own um, house. There is it, literally a corner with a candle in it. You can sit and do some meditation, whether it be relaxing, watching your favourite movie, whatever it is, you know, you just just that, that time to just stop and be and, and have that time for yourself. Really, really important. Yeah. Really important. Yeah. Um, Anessa, tell me, we, we, we've covered a lot here. Is there anything glaring that I've missed? Is there anything, you know, that, that we haven't sort of talked about, something that you sort of suddenly think, oh, gosh, that's a, that's a sort of, you know, a go-to or a, a, a flashpoint or whatever. Is there anything that we haven't discussed? Or No, I would just say, you know, I think it somehow goes without saying, but I need to say it. It's just around about the um, emergency situations. All of these are lovely if you can have the conversation and come to that conclusion yeah. or, in, or and do a safety plan or, um, you know, it might be the intuition just takes over and you're like, no, you're coming. Um, but if there, there are emergency situations and obviously just to, to, if you feel that you need to take the, the person to A&E, if you can safely do that, then do it. Yeah. And then they will be assessed by, um, you know, a psychiatric liaison team there and um, advice and support will be given from there. Um, you know, if you feel like you need to do that or if it's absolutely imminent and you're really concerned, um, you know, you, 
you can phone an ambulance, but I would say get to A&E if you need to, which would be the quickest route, just, just in emergencies. Just do what you need to do, obviously, in an emergency. It's just, it's just safeguarding yeah. the, the, the sort of the child and the situation, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that the, the, the overriding sort of factor that I have learned over the last sort of few months, few years or whatever, is that... Um, when you talk about these things, because a lot of sort of parents say, "Oh, I couldn't possibly talk about sort of suicide because that'll that'll put the idea into my child's head," and yeah. it's just not right, is it? I mean, that's just that's just a fallacy, surely. Oh, thanks for raising that. Okay, absolutely. We, we we didn't cover myths there, but um, yes. yeah, there's absolutely there's absolutely really important. So thank you. I forgot that. Um, the um, there's no evidence whatsoever anywhere that asking somebody if they're suicidal has led to to them taking their own life. Yes. So it, it's really important to ask them. Asking them about it isn't putting the idea into the head yeah. at all. Say, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> absolutely not. Yes, you're, you yeah. haven't thought of that. No, it's and they'll give you a very clear answer. Of, um, you know maybe or sometimes or I've had some dark thoughts and you go in and you explore it what does that mean yeah what does the dark thought look like oh no I haven't um but at least if they say no they haven't they know that you have asked about it therefore you're not scared to have that conversation so they're likely to come back and seek you out um you know should they have those feelings in the future because part of it is like I said earlier it's about protecting other people so that's why they won't you know they won't stay so yep. uh, uh, stick it. So there's um yeah, absolutely the myths, you know. There's a talk there's, about it, it's not going to increase the chances. Yeah, there, there is a there's a, a section on papyrus about the sort of myths, aren't there? I, I can't remember what they are, but um Yeah, yeah, the, the, there's lots of different myths, lots of different myths that you can go to. Um and they're all on like I see, I know I've been big enough papyrus here, but it's because because they absolutely deserve it and they're pretty the, the content um, is absolutely it's 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 brilliant it's 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 very supportive and very reassuring and it's all at your fingertips so there's, there's other myths like um you know people who talk about suicide don't want to die by suicide you know or, you know we hear this thing you know again about stigma where people, yes. people talk about it anyway they're not going to do it well that's that's a myth as well you know generally yeah. um you know, you do get the other end of it where people might mention it a little bit more often or, um, you, you know, uh, people who, who are struggling to come to any kind of conclusion. But that that is an absolute fallacy as well. So it's a total myth. So don't don't get caught on um, that one. There's another one about once a person is seriously um, considering suicide, then there's nothing you can do about it to stop yes, them from um, taking their own life. No, this is why we're having this conversation. Um, and all of the suicide prevention um, strategies are, are absolutely built on on this idea that having a conversation can help, yeah, and we yeah. can prevent lives by and um, people taking their life by talking about it and intervening at that moment and seeing how how can we help, yeah, yeah. So that, that's another one. Um, suicide happens without warning. Now this is a tricky one. This yes, is a it tricky is. one. It's a really tricky one, and um, I struggle with some of the, the stuff I read about this. So people say that um, actually there are warning signs. You know, they they can be incredibly subtle. They can be so subtle you miss them. Yep. Like, and it could be that they've said, uh, uh, you know, the person you know who does go on to die by suicide has said something like, you know, 
you know, it's, um, I wish I wasn't here, you know, and that can easily be picked up as part of um, a teenage, you know, oh, absolutely. rant and, you know, putting back, I just wish I wasn't here. I hate you. I wish I wasn't yeah. here or nobody ever wasn't here anyway. And that can be often interpreted as part of, um, you know, a teenager and growing up in tantrums. And it may yeah. be, it may be just that. Um, and so that can be a throwaway comment. It, it, it might be worth exploring. Um, yeah. But equally, it can be a tantrum. But it may be that somebody said that. It may be that we've had a conversation with a cousin the week before who lives miles away, and they've said something similar, like, oh, you know, I wish I wasn't here. But the cousin hasn't spoken to the best friend because they don't know the best friend. And, you know, it's, it's yeah. this type, it, it, it can be really dispersed and it can be throwaway comments. But unless you've got, you're there and have the overview and you piece it all together, you know, it's pretty impossible. Um, But, you know, anything, you know, again, sometimes it's just intuition, knowing, you you know, knowing your your children. If there's just something that you think, this isn't right, something's different, I'm worried about them. Then that, again, that that intuition is telling you something and just use that as a a sign to ask and explore about about where they are at that given point in time about their mental health. I and think that's thinking, the thing. If if you're if there's been sort of dare I say no sign, but the but your intuition is kicking in, and you think that there is a mental health issue, we don't have to jump to the suicide topic immediately, do we? So it, it's just oh. opening up and trying to unpack what is going on. And I think you know that that once you're sort of you you've started the conversations with your with your child, then it will take a sort of more natural course. So, and I think that it's just, just the very fact of being aware and wanting to be open to receive whatever the information is, is, is really quite important. Yeah. Like I said, you'd engage with it and you're putting, your, you're putting yourself in that situation of saying, right, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to see what comes and see what we do with that. But yeah, natural, it can be just about the mental health, you know, there's, but if it comes into your head and when you're having that conversation about mental health and suddenly suicide comes into it and thinking, it's there, it's there for a reason. There's something yeah. that you've picked up on you, you know, ask the question. If it flashes into your mind and it's there, ask the question. It cannot, you know, it can't do harm to ask the question. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I shall put um the the papyrus um information onto the show notes. So people know um, where to get the sort of, you know, the, the, the further support as well. Um, Anessa, thank you so much. Thank you so much for helping um, myself and others just to realise that it, it, is a, it is a very emotional subject, but it doesn't always have to be hugely scary. And, and I think it's important for parents just to, um, yeah, just to be brave enough to start opening up those conversations with their kids. Thank you very much for, for having me here and talking about it. So so, so important, isn't it? And so it is. My heart it is. And, and, and it's just if we can do our small part in um, sort of taking away those struggles for some young people, how wonderful is that? Yes. Thank you. Vanessa, thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this entire podcast. If you want to help other parents looking for support, then please share this with your friends and family. Because if you find this podcast useful, then they will too. So please share via your social media. 
If you have any parenting questions, then please give me a shout through my email, which is toolbox at kygraham.com. And I may even use your question as a future podcast episode. If you want to connect, please come and join me on Instagram. Just search for Kai Graham. Also, could you do me a favour, please? Parenting teenagers can feel very confusing and isolating at times. And I believe that it takes a village to raise a child and we are here to support one another. I'd love it if you would leave a review on iTunes. And a good one, by the way. (laughs) Because when you do, it lets more parents out there know that there is support for them too. Thank you. And as always, this comes with much love.